This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got John Beeler with me today. We've got an awesome show. Uh, so much to talk about. Uh, later on the program, we'll be chatting with Igor Bonifacic from uh, Engadget. Yes. He's moved up in the world. He definitely uh, has. He's uh, going to tell us all about Quips. It's uh, an ALS voice tool for ALS suffer- sufferers. It is amazing technology, and we want to get the lowdown on that. We'll also be talking with Ted Kritsonos, our favorite uh, tech journalist out of Toronto. He's got uh, a review on the Theragun. This is a uh, special massager that you can get to help alleviate uh, pain and uh, so many other things. Great for people that are into sports or having you know different types of chronic muscle pain uh, as well. This, this thing is amazing. Have you tried one? Yes. It's shockingly powerful it, it it certainly is you gotta use it the right way well we'll get ted to tell us all about that uh we will also be talking to the folks over at plastibank we'll be talking with sean frankson uh an interesting organization uh to get people to help pick up and recycle plastic yeah especially in uh developing countries by paying them yeah it is all kinds of awesome okay Let's talk about some of the news here on Get Connected. Uh, this week, uh, a number of tech companies have uh, actually gone uh, and spoke at Congress at a judiciary hearing uh, about some of the tech giants uh, and unfair business practices. So some of the smaller guys include Sonos, um, PopSocket. Yeah. Those are those little things you stick on the back. Are they really a tech company, though? (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, Basecamp, a a software uh, company, uh, and Tile. Yeah. And so they're alleging the big guys like Amazon, Google, and Apple are keeping them down. So Sonos, uh, I think they filed a lawsuit against Google uh, that said uh, Google's infringing on some of their patents for their wireless speakers. Uh, For those that don't know what Sonos is, uh, amazing company i've had their products uh, for i think 12 13 years now uh they make multi-room audio easy uh they've got fantastic speakers uh, and solutions to get audio into all aspects of your home uh i love them and have used them for years uh but they say that companies like google uh make it hard for them uh they are basically uh telling congress that you know companies like google can come in and just dominate the space uh, by creating a similar product and then undercutting everyone. And because they make billions, they can afford to do that. Well, they can have a loss later and not even worry about it and completely kill off an entire industry almost. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting with uh, Basecamp. Uh, they're basically complaining that Google's not a search engine company anymore. It's an ad company. Uh, you know, when people search for the Basecamp software, uh, they're inundated not with their software listing right away. There's all sorts of competitor ads above that, which, you know what? I think they've got a point there. Do you know what I mean? Like to, to be able to survive in business now, you have to pay like the Googles of the world to even get listed. But, you know, is that just the cost of doing business though? Because if you search for the new iPhone, you're going to be inundated by Samsung ads. Yeah. I mean, that's smart practices by those companies to get their eyeballs, you know, in their favor as well. Um, They're basically saying all their money's going towards just getting their competitors listings down. Right. But also, is that fair? Well, you also have to argue too that something like Basecamp, which, you know, the name itself is a pretty generic term. So it's sure. it's harder for, for, you know, a company with a more generic term uh, to really bubble up 
in the best of times, let alone when there's strong competition in that particular space like Basecamp operates in. So they're calling Google system a shakedown for businesses. <laughs> I'd love it. Uh, also, uh, the pop sockets. And again, these are the little sticky things you stick on the back of your uh, phone or phone case, and you can basically just kind of have a couple fingers hold your phone. Yeah, I hate that. I don't know if I'm describing those things properly. Very popular with women, I found. Yeah, because they don't want to drop their phones. They're smarter than we are. Yeah. All our guy screens are cracked all the time. Uh, they're saying that uh, they're complaining about the relationship with Amazon, uh, saying that Amazon's bullying them with a smile, uh, that Amazon had dragged its feet on addressing uh, a whole bunch of counterfeited products, uh, and then unilaterally lowered prices on pop, so pop socket pop socket products and demanded the company pay back the loss. Good luck with that. Yeah. And so they're saying they're having a hard time with that because Amazon is such a dominant player now. Uh, their next you know, biggest bricks and mortar retailer, Walmart, basically does like 1 38th of the business yeah. of Amazon. So, I mean, they can basically wipe them out if they don't play ball with Amazon. But it was not too long ago, though, people were saying that about Walmart as well. Yeah, it was very difficult to get into Walmart, and if you did get into Walmart, you had to, you know, basically give your products to them at a huge loss just to get them on the shelves. Okay, so the next story I want to talk about, John, and uh, it's near and dear to my heart. It's uh, Sonos. We just talked about them. Uh, they are basically killing support for their older products. Now, this is something that I found really interesting and fascinating. And when we put this in the in our rundown for the show, I'm like. I put in brackets, Mike will be sad yes. because you talk about it all the time how great Sonos is and the fact that you've had them for such a long period of time. They interoperate very well and they just work. And soon they're not going to just work or at least they're not going to just update. That's the thing. And I have a lot of their old stuff here. So uh, if you've got older uh, Play 5s or some of their Connect amps uh, and you know Google it, there'll be a list there. They're going to stop sending updates to it. And so the problem is, if you've got your old stuff and newer Sonos gear, uh, sure, they're not going to make those old ones stop working, but the new new ones won't get any updates going further. How often do you get updates, though, for those devices? Or they is update it them all, well, they update them all the time. Right. I don't know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not some revolutionary new feature. I mean, when they added the, the voice assistant stuff, yeah. Yeah, that was a big deal. That was a big deal, but it's freaking me out, man. Yeah, because I invested thousands of dollars in this, and some people are saying, "You know what, Mike? Some of your gear is twelve years old." But that's what I love about Sonos that I've got this twelve-year-old technology, and it's as good as the day I bought it. And that is an interesting angle, though, because we've talked about I I use Amazon smart speakers for everything. Yeah, and they're low cost, easy to deploy. You have a much larger investment in your Sonos, but yeah. there's no question you've got. I've, I don't think I have 13 years with my Echo Dot. No, no. <laughs> You'll be okay after a few years. Yeah. But, but you only spent like, you know, 70 bucks on it. 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Okay, shut up. <laughs> when we come back from the break here and get connected, we'll be talking with Plastibank, a company and organization that's uh, helping get rid of the plastic in the world by paying developing country citizens to pick it up out of the water and the land and bring it in for recycling. Back after this. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We have a super interesting guest with us uh, today. His name is Sean Frankson. He is with a, uh, an organization called Plastic Bank. And this is a, uh, a group, a company that uh, basically helps keep 
plastic out of our oceans. And uh, thanks for joining us, by the way, Sean. Uh, Tell our listeners what Plastic Bank is all about and how you're keeping the plastic out of the oceans. Yeah, so we help fight ocean plastic while reducing global poverty by making plastic waste a currency. So we do this by setting up ethically sourced recycling ecosystems in developing countries where people can earn a fair wage, a special bonus on top of the market price, where they can start working towards a better life where recycling is just a starting point, where we can dignify recycling, have ethically sourced recycling chains, then companies like S.E. Johnson and their Windex bottle can use a social plastic knowing that it's giving back to the communities and giving back to the people in those communities to have a responsible way of using plastic. Um, what's an example of a developing country that this is working in right now? Yeah, so we're currently in Haiti, Philippines, Indonesia, Brazil, just expanding into Egypt. and uh, So a few. Just, just a couple <laughs> and hope to be in a lot more next year. So what plastic uh, could those people uh, bring to a recycling center? Yeah, it depends on the location. And we recycle all materials too. So any recyclable material of value that can be resold in those local ecosystems is what gets sold. We specifically resell the... PET, the HDPE, the LDPE, and we kind of phase in. Those are all plastics. All plastics. Okay, yeah. So, you know, plastic bottles, plastic jugs, the bags and different things. In every country, we try to phase in. How can all plastic have value and get reused in a new life? And do they get a lot of money for this? Yeah, so for quite often, especially in a lot of the countries we deal with, someone's, you know, like somewhere like Haiti, 75% of people are living under the poverty line, often zero income. So, you know, someone can go from making a dollar a day to five, seven dollars a day. Which is a lot there. And it's a lot there in every country. It depends on the economics. And it's not always just about the poorest people in the world. We look everywhere. There's different areas of how do we close the loop? You know, how do we bring an intrinsic value that anyone and anywhere in the world realizes plastic isn't garbage? Plastic has value and it's really too valuable ever to end in the ocean. How much plastic have you uh, recycled? Do you, do you have numbers on that? Yeah, so we're at about 15 million pounds right now. We recycle over a million kilos a month, so just over 2 million pounds. And, you know, uh, about three months ago, it was half a million. Now it's a million. And we are kind of on that fun exponential growth curve right now. How do you make money? Yeah, so we make money. And we are a proud social enterprise. Yeah. So we're self-sustaining in the way we set up everything. And we sell the plastic as a broker. So S.E. Johnson buys our plastic to use in Windex. Other great companies like Henkel use it in their products. And it's a combination of they either buy the plastic, they fund the ecosystem. So a lot of companies that make commitments that we're going to use 100% recycled plastic have then realized the supply chains for recycled plastic, it's really hard to get guaranteed supply chains. Even harder to find something that's an ethically sourced, like blockchain-proof, audible supply chain as we have. And this then allows us to be able to sell the activations where we can expand the infrastructure to have plastic bank certified ecosystems, then supply that supply chain and then a couple other creative revenue streams as well. So you you mentioned uh, a number of very specific types of plastic that you use for the various bottles and and things like that, like with the Windex and that type of thing. What do you do with the other types of plastic and maybe the other uh, non-pure pieces of material that you would get in from the various uh, um, recycling centers? Yeah, so I mean, it really depends region by region, but normally once a collector brings in the plastic, they'll bring it to a plastic bank where it's all sorted by type, by color. They get more value when it's sorted. They're able to deposit the value that they get. We offer digital savings where they can instantly redeem that or save it or cash it out safely in the ecosystem. 
and the pl different plastic types. So usually there's some form of a commodity market for different recyclable materials. So anything that we're not buying, it goes to that commodity market. And then we just look at that fun challenge of in every community, what is the next thing to tackle? Of How do we find how these sachets can have value? So we start with the existing markets and then really get our sales team to get creative. How could we find a market for the materials that are you know, being disposed of in residuals? And, and just to clarify, you're not actually like grinding up the plastics. You're just selling or collecting and selling the collective pile of the same types of plastic to the various channels. So we technically kind of operate as like an Airbnb of recycling where we partner with the existing processing partners who flake it and bale it. And they almost become like a franchisee where we then certify the ecosystems around them. And when we have this special kind of bonus payment where everyone makes a little bit more for doing it the right way, we have a digital application where everything's entered, everybody's registered, it's all transparent, there's no child labor, and there's just something in it for everyone, which means there's a reason for them to do it the right way, which our suppliers need this like audit-proof supply chain. But we just have a way that anyone can become certified to qualify to play a part. They make more, the collectors make more. And a key thing as well, instead of us coming in and competing with local ecosystems, which can be very dangerous in a lot of countries, yeah, no kidding. we have a way to just enroll everyone. And again, it's follow the rules. Yeah. You make more, break the rules, and it costs more to cheat. So the you would work with existing recycling centers. Exactly. So whenever and you cert we, And you certify them. Exactly. So and that's it, more money for them. Exactly. In a country like Haiti, where there's no starting point in a lot of the communities, we create it from scratch. But where there is an existing ecosystem, we really just try to raise the dignity, raise that level, and yeah, really bringing dignity to recycling is a key part of everyone seeing recycling as something that everyone should be doing in these countries. We're talking with Sean Frankson. He's the co-founder and CTO of Plastic Bank. They uh, help uh, developing nations basically recycle their plastic that can be reused uh, for better purposes and in turn keeping that uh, plastic uh, out of, I guess, landfills and, and oceans for that matter. Uh, but I have to ask again, I'm just trying to understand the whole model. Like, can you afford to do this? Like, how much money can you give out to collect this plastic? Like, are these partners of yours giving you enough cash to do that? Yeah, so, you know, we're a profitable business. We have a team of 75 around the world. We'll be over 200 by the end of next year. And a key thing is, especially, you know, one of the ironies where we have a blockchain ID, blockchain savings account, a lot of our model is to remove some of the middlemen involved in recycling, where we can put that value straight to the people collecting. So from our point of our clients, it's almost the same price of buying new plastic, but instead we can just guarantee that that person on the end is not being treated as a supply chain, because when you negotiate something to the ground and then be transparent on the price, Quite often, people won't be proud of what that person collecting plastic was making. But, you know, even just shifting that focus to a collector first mentality of how do we have any, and, you know, it's quite common, any supply chain in the world now, it's got to be audit proof without a company getting in trouble or else they've got to change it. And it's just been something for plastic that you've been allowed to have hidden supply chains. So when we really define what is the gold standard of an ethically sourced, transparent, audit proof supply chain, this is what really raises the ability to just pay the people more. And from the point of our partners, it's usually they need the reporting, they need everything. So it becomes the near the same cost of what they're paying anyways. Sometimes there's a slight premium as we phase in, but then economies of scale really bring it to be they need secured supply, chain, supply chains. They need to have the story and the ability to showcase the impact they're doing. They need to have the real-time automated reporting. And once you put all of that in, it, it ends up being the same price or less from what they're doing before. 
Is there any plans to have this type of a model in North America? Yeah, it's something we're definitely excited about looking in. And, you know, it's incredibly, every country is really incredibly different. Like Haiti is not the same as Philippines, which is not the same as Brazil. Um, we do have a program now where people can bring bottles into the return it system in Vancouver. And instead of taking the five cents or the 10 cents now, they can have it go towards uh, reducing ocean plastic. Um, so that's something, but it's something we're looking at. As we build in our team, it's just got to have these new unique systems. We do work with the school programs where schools can set up recycling systems where the funds from the plastic then go towards removing ocean poverty. And we also work sometimes with the churches and the faith groups of how could it, those communities be a source where plastic comes in, it gets recycled. And a lot of it's in North America is even just that awareness that yeah. it's not garbage. Just taking it out of, you know, the streets or the landfills and that type of thing and, and treating it differently, like you said, like like a commodity. Exactly. And we also have programs, uh, which is most popular in Europe and North America, where an individual or a company can go plastic neutral, or as we even say, go plastic positive, go beyond, extract more than what you're using. So we have ways that someone can have more plastic extracted through our programs in the countries around the world where it's needed most. So, you know, as every individual or every company works on how do I reduce the, my plastic usage, reduce my footprint, I can still ensure I extract more than I use. And to me, that's becoming what the new social good consumer and really, you know, almost a new person is looking at how can I give more to the planet than I take. Sean, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, if uh, someone wants to get more involved with you folks or partner up or see how they can get this going in their school or church or business, where can they contact you? You go to plasticbank.com and then someone can even calculate their own plastic footprint and find the best path of purpose that they can play. That was Sean Frankson. Uh, he is the co-founder and CTO of Plastic Bank. And again, at plasticbank.com, you can find more information. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. We have a, an interesting topic right now, and it's uh, around using technology to help sufferers of ALS speak with their own voice. One famous person uh, that had ALS for many, many years, uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, he spoke through a, a synthesizer, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sounded like a robot. Yes. I remember there was a problem with that particular computer that he was using, and there was some hardware failures or something like that, and they had a lot of trouble trying to uh, keep it maintained and up to date. And but he also didn't want to lose his voice because he could have sounded more natural a lot sooner. Yeah, but he, everyone was used to hearing him that way. That was that was his voice. Yeah. yeah. Well, technology uh, marches on, and of all companies, Rolls Royce has come out uh, with some technology that uh, can help people with ALS actually use their own voice when they're talking, uh, when they're in later stages and, and having challenges. We've got our good friend Igor Bonifacic from Engadget.com on the line. Thanks for joining us, Igor. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I wanted to get you on because we checked out your story on Engadget.com and I found it fascinating. Uh, tell us about this technology, and it's kind of weird, of all companies, Rolls-Royce has developed it. Yeah, so I think, you know, for Rolls-Royce, um, from what I understand, it was kind of a personal project with one of their employees, and it was something they wanted to do. Uh, but essentially what it is is this AI that um, uses a technique called voice banking, where, you know, if you suffer from MLS while you still have control of your speech, you record samples of your voice. And then the as it listens to your voice and as it listens to conversations you have, this AI 
will start to be able to approximate your voice. So it will like pick up the colloquialisms you use, it'll pick up the accent you use, um, and it'll try to approximate also how you would speak in certain situations, knowing that, like, you know, sometimes you speak differently with your spouse than you would with a coworker or and differently at a bar, for instance. And then it can start to, without you having to type in anything, it can start to like predict what you might say in that, in a certain situation. Uh, so in the example they showed off, the person was asked if they wanted something to drink and it, knowing its user well enough, it was like, I want some tea as one of the suggestions. Uh, so it's a really cool technology because it kind of narrows the gap in terms of how long it takes for a person with ALS to respond to a conversation. Uh, you know, with Stephen Hawking, by the end of his life, it was taking him, you know, um, it was like a word a minute uh, because he had so little motor control. That is uh, amazing, but I, I love the fact that it, it can recognize the different situations that you might be in as well. Like, John, you like going to brew pubs uh, or craft breweries a lot, so it would know that you're kind of in that situation and give you suggestions. Like, I want an IPA. Yeah. <laughs> um, this there you is, go. Uh, and so, how, any word on how they would r- roll this out? Do you see what I did there? Rolls-Royce, roll it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Emily, um, dad jokes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they haven't, you know, it seems that this is very much kind of in the early stages uh, and they haven't said exactly when it'll come out. Um, but their kind of idea is that it'll be integrated with existing um, software packages that uh, AOS patients use already. Um, so it's hard to say, you know, I imagine at the very best, like it'll probably still take a number of years to kind of perfect this technology. Um, and unfortunately, you know, in that case, it won't help a lot of people that are already suffering from ALS, but it is something that it seems they like quite into it. And, um, there's something, it's something that they're committed to. We're talking with our good friend, Igor Bonifacic from Engadget.com. Rolls Royce is, uh, created a, a new artificial intelligence uh, type of software uh, called Quips that uh, can help ALS sufferers. And uh, this is going to be coming in the following years, uh, actually speak with their own voice and actually help uh, suggest things that they might be saying uh, to help uh, speed up the uh, communication. Igor, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Well, I love how uh, technology uh, really helps the whole uh, health and wellness side uh, as well. We're going to talk about a a cool percussive uh, massage therapy device. You might have seen their commercials uh, on TV or online. It's uh, for those Theraguns. Uh, They look kind of like little massage guns. They look like something out of a sci-fi movie. Yes. Like that would shoot Wars. lasers. <laughs> but in this case here, it's helping your muscles. Uh, we've uh, got our good friend uh, Ted Kritsonos on the line from Toronto. And uh, he's had a chance to actually uh, try them out. And we're going to get his thoughts on it. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Always glad to be here, guys. So uh, I've, I've seen these, uh, these commercials a number of times. And uh, uh, it looks cool. So uh, we would love to get your thoughts today uh, on it. I- explain to the listeners how this thing works and kind of what it looks like. 
Well, first of all, I described it in my review as a cross between a power drill and a kitchen mixer. Um, you know, when, when you when you look at this thing and then you see how it works, you, those are like the two things that kind of come to mind, you know. And and there's a reason for that too, because there is a significant amount of power here. Like you have, uh, there are two settings. So there's a fast setting and then there's a slow setting. So the fast setting has basically you know 40 per cuts of thrusts per second. Uh, the slower one has 29, and this is 60 pounds of force that is pushing that that arm forward, right? So it, it's a pretty powerful device, and you can kind of see it when you look at the videos online. There, they they do them in slow motion in some cases too, and you just see the way the muscles just like you know it's like sound waves, just kind of you know flapping, um, and so. The device is now. I, I reviewed the G3 Pro, so I reviewed the the top of the line model. There are three different models that Theragun offers. The one I reviewed is the best one, but there are two that are also lower priced. Uh, there are some differences between them, but because I haven't tried those ones, I don't know exactly how how different they would be as far as the operations and uh, and, and the results would be. So that being said, uh, basically the concept here is that you have six different attachment tips. Uh, they are different designs, and the idea is that you would be able to really hone in on wherever the pain point is, or maybe you have a knot, maybe you have, you know, you're sore after a run. Uh, whatever it is that you have, uh, you can you can kind of hone in with the right tip uh, and, and sort of the right cadence, not cadence, but I guess the right amount of pressure uh, when you apply it. Ted, I have to ask you, because uh, I've had a chance to try this out uh, is it safe? Like, could you hurt yourself with this thing? Well, you got to be careful, right? Because I mean, I'm sure as you tried it too, you saw how powerful it is. It is super not powerful. It's loud, yeah. right? It's loud too. Like, you know, so it's, uh, you're yeah, not doing this be, on the bus. Gotta, no, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, you know, so you got to be a little careful with this thing. Uh, and, and that's why the, the app is actually really good. Even though the app doesn't have video, uh, tutorials, the, the photos and the written component is actually quite good at laying out what you should and shouldn't do, especially how, you know, where you should focus your efforts on, on the body, depending on what it is that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to uh, help with. So in that regard, as long as you follow the guidelines, then you, you should be okay. And then naturally, of course, you just know your own body. So, if you feel like, oh, that's a little bit too much pressure, you can always just, you know, lay off a little bit. And you don't need a lot of pressure with this thing. I mean, you really don't. But given the power that it has, you don't need to apply too much pressure. And as long as you're using the right tip, you should be able to at least feel some sort of a positive result from it. Ted, do you think this is something that is best done, like, to your own self? Or is it better to have a friend or a partner do it to you because uh, it does look like it could be kind of tricky to get around to some of the you know uh, like on my back I have one specific knot that it's really difficult for me to get to so I wonder if that would make more sense for my girlfriend to use the tool there or is this something that you've experienced using yourself and sort of doing some back yoga yeah great question yeah so definitely there are going to be some parts of the body that are going to be tough to get to even though the arm is adjustable you can go 90 degrees up to 180 degrees Despite that, it's it, it's still not it's still not easy to get a certain spot, especially on the back. So there are going to be there are going to be certain times where I think a, applying it to you would be better. In some cases, even you know, even if you want to go to your physiotherapist or your chiropractor, maybe bring the device with you. 
uh, and show them, and then perhaps they can also uh, provide their own insight on how you can, you know, maybe use it, especially if you don't have someone who lives with you uh, that can that can help you out. But yeah, there, for the most part, you can you can do it yourself. You will be able to hit most spots yourself, but there are going to be some areas, especially on the shoulders and the back, that are going to be a little tougher to get to. So you are you are right. There are going to be certain times when having a a person handy will certainly be helpful. Well, it, it is interesting. Uh, I let one of uh, the gentlemen in our office here uh, try it out uh, as well, and he loves it. He, you know, he had uh, a few knots uh, uh, that he's developed over the years. You know, from uh, a lot of uh, exercise and sports and, and running, and uh, he said it works so well. So uh, I'm I'm anxious to to try it out a little bit uh, more myself. Uh, the price on these things aren't cheap, Ted. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, the, the model I tested is $759 plus tax. So it's not cheap. Um, and that's why I, uh, you know, I want to make sure that I preface uh, even the pricing in that this is not a replacement for a chiropractor or physiotherapist or massage therapist. Uh, this is not going to emulate entirely what, what well-trained hands can do, but it can complement what they do. And further to that, it it has the possibility of reducing the frequency in which you visit those specialists. So I wouldn't, I would never advise as I did in the review that you look at this as a full on replacement that you're spending all this money. It's like, okay, great. I'm never, never going to go back there again. That's not the case. Uh, it's not going to, it's not going to supplant, uh, that kind of, uh, human feedback, but it, it certainly can help. Um, and it is a big price to pay, right? I mean, that's that's it, it's a lot to pay. But I guess it depends on how much better you feel. You know, will it feel like it, it, it paid itself off based on you feeling better every day? Hard to say because everybody's body is subjective. We're talking with Ted Krozonos, uh, one of our uh, favorite uh, tech journalists uh, from ta- uh, Toronto, all about the Theragun. Uh, I know you tried out the top-end uh, model, and I believe that one comes with a lot more attachments, uh, but I, I believe they do start uh, in the few hundred-dollar range uh, as, as well. Yeah, they have a they have a couple different tiers, and it looks like the low-end low one is about four ninety nine Canadian, and I believe that they've had almost perma-sales on some of those things on Amazon and stuff like that, too. Well, if you're interested in uh, finding out more about uh, this, uh, don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've uh, got Ted's uh, review up there so you can uh, read it for yourself. But overall, Ted, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down? No, thumbs up. I mean, I I like the approach they took, and I like also that they focus on certain things. Like there's actually one section called Tech Mech. So if you're you're working in an office and you're looking at a computer like like the three of us are (laughs) oftentimes, uh, during the day, there is a section on how to use the device to, to offset that, right? Carpal tunnel, plantar fasciitis, you know, some of the, the, the things that a lot of people suffer from, there are sections in the app that, you know, display and demonstrate uh, how you can use the device to offset those things. Ted, I want to thank you for joining us today. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Don't forget to hit our website, giving away an Amazon Echo Show 8. All you have to do is visit getconnectedmedia.com. This thing is an awesome touchscreen Amazon voice assistant. Watch videos, listen to music, control your home, ask it anything, really. Go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, hit the newsletter tab, 
subscribe to our newsletter and you'll be entered to win that and all the other prizes that we're giving away this year. Thousands of dollars worth. We've got some cool stuff coming from CES to give away too. Oh yeah, just wait. We'll tell you about that more uh, next week. Okay, back, uh, was it a month ago? Back in December, we got all hot and heavy about this new phone company uh, that basically promised worldwide unlimited talk, text, and data roaming for $30 US a month. Phonus with a F. F O N U S. Yes. And we, we got, were excited. We got a lot of comments and feedback from listeners that wanted to know more because this sounded too good to be true. Well, maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> you guys actually purchased some. Yeah, a few of us on the team bought the Sims. We also reached out to the CEO and we had him on the show. Yes. And, you know, it sounded pretty good. And if yeah, you. Yeah, 30 bucks a month US unlimited everything hell yeah around the world right it it, yeah it sounds great but he's had some problems and we're not quite sure if this is actually ever going to ship we were actually promised as a you know the show was promised some media review sim cards as well which we have yet to receive yes which you would think if it's a legitimate service we would have got those ahead of the how much did you pay for the sim 25 bucks 25 bucks nothing yet nothing yet so what do you think? What do you think is happening? Uh, you know, any new startup, there's always challenges. Well, are you still giving them the benefit of the doubt? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you want your twenty five bucks? <laughs> I'm getting close to reversing the charges on my credit card. Yes. Yeah. Um, there, there is. But a, they sent you an email after you bought. They did. Yeah. And we, listen we, to this. Listen to this. Well, <laughs> so because we were one of the first five hundred customers, we were going to get the service for free. For life. For life. Yeah. You guys were dancing around me. Hey, Mike, you're a big sucker. You didn't buy one of these. We get free cell phone service for life. Yes. Are you paying for your cell phone service right now, John? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's not a phonus service. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so we've been following along. Uh, we've actually been, we actually were supposed to meet up with Simon, uh, the CEO of Phonus at CES. And he, he bailed at the last minute because uh, there is a very, very heated Reddit sub subreddit for Phonus, uh, where people are asking questions, and he was very active in there, and that's where this whole first five hundred get the service for free kind of thing grew out of. He was giving away T-shirts. He was flying people to Hong Kong to see that the service was legit. All this crazy stuff, and now it's just turned into this almost a hate fest on Reddit where people are pissed off. They're people look- are so easy to turn, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the pitchforks are out. They're burning down houses. That's right. And and strangely, Simon's been absent uh, from commenting on things. Uh, there's been a number of people that have been, I guess, close to the situation that have supposedly uh, commented on the situation and how you know they got a, a phone of SIM, which seemed to have been uh, a, a China mobile SIM that had been literally the logo had been sanded off the SIM card and they just stamped Phonus on it. And but did they work? They worked, but they showed up as a as a China mobile. Who SIM. cares what it says? Right. Yeah. But the thing is, they weren't unlimited. They were actually pay-as-you-go SIM cards that ran out of data. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll keep you abreast of uh, that situation in the coming weeks. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. want to thank everyone that helps put the show together. John, Stephen, Christina, Paul, AJ, Nigel, and so many more. See you again next time.
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.